Hey, 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 well, here we are. It's been a while. It is uh, January, is it the 12th? Let's check, let's check. January 12th, Saturday, 2019. Can't remember what the last episode was, and there's really no relationship, obviously. Obviously. But uh, we're sitting at um, 46 degrees Fahrenheit. A little chilly this morning, not too bad, though. At 8.11 in the morning. On Saturday, we're going up to 66. So we're going to crank it up. So just for good old time sakes, we're at 87% humidity, which is extremely high, you know. Very high. And Bud's here. Bud's ready to go out. In Arizona, so part of the charm of the walking Bud Arizona schnoodle walks is the uh, the weather forecast, right? And just what is Arizona like? I was up in Minnesota this week, and uh, it was 8 degrees Fahrenheit at one point. That's pretty cold, 8. And it didn't get much more than 24 during the day. So it's good to be back. Good, good to be back in my, is it my comfort zone, I guess? Technically, yeah, comfort zone here. Hey, bud, come on. So with an 87% humidity, you'd think that it would be like gray and overcast and rainy, but we got 87% humidity with fairly blue skies. There's some light clouds in the sky. The sun is up and it is January uh, 12th and uh, the sun probably rises at about oh, 7, 7.15. So it's been up for about an hour and we're going for a walk. And, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm feeling okay. I was, I woke up this morning at like two in the morning. I went to bed early, like nine. So four or five hours in, I got up and, uh, I, I bought this book on Kindle a couple years ago. I really like this author, John Ortberg. So there's going to be a few plugs in here for products. So, uh, John Ortberg books, love them. I have like six of them, and I'm rereading one. I'm going back to The Me I Want to Be. What a great book, The Me I Want to Be. So there's some just really outstanding concepts, ideas in the book early on and being in the flow of the spirit. So as I read it, I'm, I'm writing and working on my own book, and it is about the Holy Spirit. So... I see this influence me, right? So I have to credit John for influencing me about the flow of the Spirit. It's just, you know, he he articulates it his way, you know, which is good. And uh, just some outstanding um, comments. I like reading it again. And uh, it's not a how-to book or anything. It's just life, you know. And as I think of spirituality and Christian leadership and things that so much of it is behavior modification or you should do this, you should do that. And, uh, and it's, we accept it. And I guess since I'm over 50 now, a 35 year old pastor, I kind of think, well, I, I have more life experiences naturally than that dude does. So I guess I'm more critical of (laughs) their teaching. If you're 30 and you have a 45 year old pastor, in this age, I don't know what it, that's ageism or what, but I guess you, if you're 30 and you're listening to a 45-year-old pastor, then you just kind of expect that they have it all figured out. When you get to be 45 or 50 and you realize nobody has it figured out, then, then a 30-year-old pastor who thinks he's got it all figured out really has your attention because you're like, dude, no, you, nobody has it figured out. <laughs> so, so knock off the... You know, this is how it is type teaching. But I may come back to that later. So reading the book, so just right at the moment, this moment, I was kind of hoping to sleep a little longer, but I didn't. My wife wanted me to get up. She has an agenda. Everybody has an agenda for you, right? (laughs) So it's just compromising and trying to figure out how to fit it in. And I'm getting less uh, combative as I get older. 
I guess I'm more flexible. I guess, yeah, definitely at a younger age, I'd be like, dude, you got an agenda for me. I don't like it. You know, and fight against somebody else's agenda. But I guess it's knowing when to fight the agenda of somebody else and just let it go. But, uh, or even better, maybe their agenda is good for me, right? So, <laughs> wow, what a concept. <laughs> like my wife's agenda to clean up the Christmas tree and put stuff away. Yeah, I don't really like that agenda, but it's a good one. And it'll probably be good for me, too, because it'll clean up the house or whatever. I don't know. So there's uh, relationship input, transparency on the Dog Walk podcast. And Bud is doing something good. I, I, I thought about something about dogs this week that was pretty interesting. So for those those people that purely listen to find out how the dog walks are, because, you know, I'm setting the example of how to walk your dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, the people should be listening to this podcast purely to learn how to walk their dog, right? That's how much attention I pay to the dog when I'm walking him. But he's looking pretty cute. His hair is getting longer. It's uh, he's he's getting his his furs building up around his paws and things. It's pretty cool. So he's getting to be more of a shaggy looking dog. He'll get thick, and it won't get hot here until March or April. So. He could probably go for a long run without getting chopped back again. But on dogs, yeah, back to the dog. So I was thinking, you know, I was like, I think the dog breathes through his nose. And I'm like, I don't think the dogs really breathe through their mouth that much. I mean, they do yawn, right? I mean, they, they open their mouth, of course, to eat and drink. But I was, I'm observing and I'm thinking, I think the dog, like, breathes like 90% of the time through their nose or more, you know? So, I don't know, some uh, animal expert out there will probably confirm or deny my observation. And uh, is it important observation? Not really. (laughs) It's just an observation. And, uh, you know, so I think like, well, the dog's nose is pretty dang important because that's where he's breathing all the time. And uh, we humans, of course, you know, we're probably more mouth breathers than or more 50-50 or whatever. But Bud here, he's, uh, he's probably 90% nose breathing. So there's the dog segment portion of the podcast. So back to Ordy Ortberg. I like to call him Ordy for some reason. I don't know why. Uh... Ortiz from Rockford, Illinois, which I get a kick out of because Rock, Rockford, Illinois is not like the uh, sexiest city in the planet. <laughs> and, he, and he knows it. <laughs> so, so that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, he's uh, got a good story, old John. And uh, so what else? That's the book, The Me I Want to Be. And it's kind of cool. I mean, the general theme is like we're all special people, right? And unfortunately, like the, the couple problems. One is we compare ourselves to each other and say like, oh, man, if only I was like that person or had what that person has, right? And uh, we just make all these stupid assumptions about how wonderful other people's lives are. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, man, if only this and if only that and... And, and what I like about this kind of book is it's saying, hey, we're, God made everybody and we all have our situations and we should strive to be the best person we can be. And, and until I start thinking about, um, ooh, down to the last bag, bud. i got to make sure I open this up. Remember, this is the last bag. So... Uh, for you podcast listeners about dog walking techniques here. So always bring your poop bags with you, right? And then if you run out of poop bags, that's dangerous. So now I have to make sure I leave the bag holder open so that when I get home after this walk, I'll remember to refill the, uh, the blue bag holder. And one of the tricks is, is, you don't want to go for a walk and then, like, oh, I don't know where it happened to the blue bags, man. Like, if my son takes Bud tonight 
for a walk and there's no blue bags in there, that's not a good thing. It's happened to me a few part a few times. So um yeah, blue bag. Refill your blue bags. And normally I seal them off and I'll go through two bags on a walk, but since this is the last bag, I gotta kinda leave the option open for additional poop to be put in there. So these are the, I'm sure this is why you tuned in to the podcast. To learn about the fine details of how to walk your dog, which is illustrative though, because Right? I mean, there are probably people that do YouTube videos about, well, this is how you should walk your dog. <laughs> and, and really, I mean, is really other people that are going to watch a video like how to walk your dog? And maybe there's some, like, maybe I can learn something. I'm not, I'm, I guess I won't knock it 100%. I'm not going to go seek it out myself. But maybe there is a really good video on how to walk a dog. So, like, when you come up on other dogs, like how to hold your dog and stuff. But nah, I'm not going to do it. I just do it. And like I say, twice a day, probably 300 days a year, that's 600 a year. I probably walk this dog over 2,000 times, you know. And I'm only on episode 70. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been podcasting these dog walks since the beginning. But that's okay. They... uh this is all about impromptu stream of consciousness uh, chatting. So, yeah, be the best you you can be. And isn't that make God out to be amazing? I mean, if you think about, oh, whoever you are listening to this, you have your history, your family background, whatever relationships you have, and God can is with you in it. And no one can tell you, like, well, you got to do this, and you should do that. And I might as well bring up my pet peeve of the week, which was the uh, the last sermon that uh, my young 35, 6, 7-year-old pastor gave. Because he's, he's going back to Indiana, the state of Indiana. Not quite Muslim Mecca, but it's Indiana. Oh, yeah. Most of you probably are like, where is that on the map? <laughs> where, where, you're going to leave paradise? This is the desert. This is, this is Phoenix. This is the paradise out here. We even have Paradise Valley right here in Phoenix. So he's going to give it all up and go be the state director for the Southern Baptist Convention. Wow. The state director, which... It's like, who's the Arizona state director? Do we care? Do we care? But it all lines up with uh, uh, a Bible Belt guy I know who's an expert on SBC stuff. I'm not. And I don't want to be an expert on SBC stuff. In fact, I didn't even know I was in an SBC church until this guy came along. (laughs) So the previous pastor was from Los Angeles football player. And he didn't care to promote the denomination. So until the young whippersnapper out of seminary came out west to preach the gospel to the heathens out here. To get us whip us in shape to be more SBC-like. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. So he's leaving us. And he said we'll be, some will be sad Some will be mad, and some will be glad. Oh, isn't that perfect? A three-point sermon. (laughs) And I'm not 100% any of those. So I'm a little bit of all, right? Why not? Let's be a little bit of all of those. So uh, it's a new chapter, and, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but it is what it is. So he, he, and my beef is there's just all these canned concepts. And one is, you know, he's preaching like, when, hey, when, you guys, when's the last time you had a gospel conversation, right? When, when, hey, everybody, when, when's the last time you had a gospel conversation? And I, I purposely say gospel because 
for a couple reasons. I'm writing and I like to spell that G-A-W, okay, ga, and then spool, gospool, S-P-U-H-L, a little bit of German inspiration there. And the reason I do that is because I think people throw out these terms and they just assume that everybody agrees on what they mean, right? And that goes with gospel, and it also goes with Jesus, right? Because Jesus, we just all you got to do, it's like a magic word. Like, I'm going to say Jesus, and then because I said Jesus, which is spelled G-E, I think it's G-E-E, Z-U-U-S, Jesus, something like that. Hey, Katie, there's Katie. You know, bud. Yeah, you want to sniff, guys? So if you just say Jesus, then anything you're about to say after that is automatically true just because you said the magic word. You know? So, yeah, I'm, I'm cynical, right? But that's why you probably listen to me. And a little cynicism's good, right? And I probably can tone down the cynicism. <laughs> so back to the gospel conversations. And it was just so dis... Oh, so sad. Here's been out here in the West, had a chance to get out of the Southeast culture a little bit and drop the lingo. But th- so uh, there's apparently there's certain conversations, certain, only certain conversations that qualify as gospel conversations. Okay. So, you know, we all know what that means. Wink, wink. It means you use the four spiritual laws, or you talk about the bridge illustration, or you took someone through the Bible and quoted some Bible verses and talked about Romans, the Romans road, you know, quote 323 and 623 and blah, blah, blah. So that, my friends, is what is qualified as a gospel conversation. Well, when's the last time you had a gospel conversation. (laughs) Well, I hope none of you have had a gospel conversation because they're just not worthwhile. They're not real. So my preferred view on this subject of conversation, conversations, plural, is that all conversations are gospel conversations. That's G-O-S. P-E-L, the proper spelling of gospel. All conversations are gospel conversations. And the reason is because do we not have the spirit of the living God in us? And should we, are we not being transformed and sanctified to be uh, better people and to be able to love and care for others? I mean, is that not what... Uh, God is up to? Is that not the message of the Bible? Maybe I may have to come, I may have to come up with a, another spe- spelling of the Bible. How can, how can we do that? Bible. Maybe that's B-E-Y-E. Bye. Or just B-Y. Bible. <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm good. I can't edit that or create while we're on the fly. Although, pretty much the whole podcast is one creation as we go. So the Bible conversation. Well, no, where, I don't know where I was dealing with that. So uh, the gospel conversations, real letdown. And remind me of one of his other classics was, do you, can you name five people that are far from God? With the, you know, the implication is that you're, you got to be praying for these five people and you got to, you got to plan out and have gospel conversations with these five people. <laughs> so I have two jokes related to that, or two anecdotal concepts that I think go along with the five people that are far from, far from God or far from Jesus, right? So what you got is you've got, um, first, my first thought a few years ago was, well, let's see, well, um, Jesus was crucified and he was or being crucified in the process of being crucified so he met with Pontius Pilate and Jesus said well 
I don't know. I think Pontius Pilate is kind of far from God. So I'm going to put Pontius Pilate first on my list. And then, oh yeah, and I forgot, those that Sanhedrin dude and the Pharisee dude, those two guys, the head of the whatever that was that were trying to crucify me, those guys, that's, that's three. Of course, Peter, he's always denying me. I've got to put him on that far from God list of five. And then, I don't know, maybe John. John's a really important guy. I'm going I'm to have to pray for him and put him on the list for being far from God. So then, as we know, the story goes that Jesus is on the cross. And there's a, a prisoner next to him on the cross, the thief. And he's like, the thief's talking to him, like, certainly you're the son of God and so forth. And then Jesus, of course, says, well, sorry, thief. I already have my five. I have my list of five, so I, I can't. You're going to have to just go to hell because I have five people on my list. So, see, that, that's how I deal with the absurdity of some of these concepts, see. The five people. Who's on your list? Got to have five people. Because then you can share that. You can have a gospel conversation with one of those five people. Yeah. And so, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but you're probably either you're, you're like, I get it. Okay, I see what you're talking about. Or you're like, oh, man, it's that sacrilegious, man. You cannot joke about that stuff. Oh, man. I'm not joking about it. I'm just, I want you to challenge the, the, the wisdom of a, of a, a, a a, a signed, what is it? Not a sign, but a selected pastor to a church, and he has these concepts. So I don't like the concept of having five. So this week, my other option, if if someone ever says that to you, like, hey, you know, do you have? Can you name five people? You know, as if that's like you know gonna guilt trip you into like doing evangelism. Um. You just say, yeah, well, you know what? Come to think of it, I don't have a list yet. But you know what? I'm going to start right now. And you're going to be number one on my list. And the reason is because uh, the God that I know doesn't care about this list of five people. He cares about everyone. So every person you talk to um, can get closer to God. In fact, Pastor, you are a number one on my list because asking me that question tells me that you really don't get your God or you're really not as close to God as you think you are because you wouldn't ask a stupid question. It's kind of like, what would that be? Like Pastor bullying. <laughs> maybe that maybe I'm processing my my own thoughts on this podcast, which is probably really what it is. I'm just processing my, my own thoughts, and um, so yeah, yeah, we're all far from God, every one of us, and when some some moments we're farther away from God. I mean, this is the kind of material I would read from John Ortberg, and he's just as valid as a pastor as anybody else. And uh, so John would uh, cringe, I think, at the five-person question. That doesn't make John perfect, because I got, I got one beef with John, but I don't know, I'm not going to go into that right now. <laughs> so, but, it's not a, but see, that's the thing, is I can, I can have a beef. I can, he's got his black slice, as far as I'm concerned, or something I don't agree with. Yeah, we don't have to agree 100% with everybody, do we? Is that the goal? But I think that's sometimes the the church has this us and them thing. Like you gotta you gotta hit a hundred percent of these behavioral activities. You gotta have your gospel conversations at least twice a week. And the more gospel conversations you can have, the better. And you you just you gotta have those gospel gospel conversations, man. So. Yeah, did I? I think I beat that one pretty well to death. I'm out on a new freeway out here in the dirt with Bud, and uh, we're uh, 
in a few months this will not be possible to walk out here in the mud because there'll be a new freeway on here and there's a guy doing some drone photos of the the deal and for the rest of the world it's no big deal but for i mean the locals this freeway is going to be have some kind of impact we hope it's a positive impact um, I've, I've lived out here almost 10 years in this area and it's been really sweetly quiet and uh, it's been very very enjoyable so we don't know what how how much sound this uh, freeway is going to bring to us you know they got sound barriers and Arizona has really good roads um, probably the best roads I've seen in uh, any state I've been in so far of course I haven't been to a lot of them but um, they, they're just really good streets roads they got they use a lot of rubberized asphalt which brings down the noise and it's just really smooth and now Bud and I have to kind of go over some rocks here to get out of this construction zone and back onto the path of walking home All right Bud so this is a walking oh, wait. You can do it, bud. Go ahead. Let's just take a step. It's a little bit rocky, a little uncertain. Follow me along. So bud was a little, you know, he just needs, like we all do sometimes, we need a little, someone to give us confidence to keep going. See that? We all need someone to uh, give us that little confidence to keep going. Right, bud? And I think of mothers. Mothers are probably awesome because they probably realize all this stuff with the kids and men who usually just kind of like go to their 40 50 60 hour week job they just have to go they're busy we got important stuff to do like make sure the government has material to make bombs <laughs> yeah we got to make sure the US government's getting its getting its quota for bomb making so we miss out on the little creatures, you know, little one years old. We get a little snippet of it, but the moms get it 24-7. So we probably should listen to moms more when we're debating, debating things. We should probably should listen to moms because they see the, the creatures, future humans growing before their eyes every moment. And, uh, yeah, they probably have some insight that's uh, overlooked. And so the challenge is for moms to articulate what they observe of the human condition by all these little creatures. And we all were, we were all little kids at one time, right? Most, a lot of us try to forget our youth is not a pleasant one, so we deal with it somehow. And, uh, but it was there. It was what we had. <laughs> we, we grew up with what we got. Not to our choice. But, uh, yeah, so I think for, for me, I'm over 50, so the striving ages, like being mid-20s and mid-30s and ambition. And, but I, I, I guess God's been guiding me in, in hindsight the whole way and not... Um, making my path quote-unquote easy which which is another part of this book that i read from two in the morning to four to finish up was how all these challenges difficulties and things shape us to become who we really are you know who the better person that we are so one illustration is or they use from joseph um Joseph was uh, had a lot of difficulty. He was a favorite, started out good, favorite of the of the dad, but then sold into slavery by his brothers who were jealous. So that was uncool. And he had a bunch of twists and turns in his story. But it, it turns out at the end, he has one of the great great lines in all the Bible, which is, "You meant it for evil, but uh, God meant it for good." Probably one of the best lines ever in the scripture and we can relate to it because i mean we're we probably feel like we got screwed in a lot of areas 
a guy owes me six grand right now by all intents and purposes, which I could use six grand right now. But uh, he's not paying me, so I let it go. I've got other things to do besides chase a dude for six grand. Um, but coincidentally, it was kind of funny because I'll throw in a fun, sexy story for you. So I'm up in Minnesota, and I got to know in my previous job, these, I love these corporate jets, people. So I think Jerry Maguire, where Cruz is like, I love black people on the phone. I love that scene. Well, I love rich people. <laughs> Most people don't like rich people. Like, oh, rich people. I love rich people. So I love rich people because they have corporate jets. I mean, how could you not love a corporate jet? You know? So the owner of the Minnesota Twins, I think his family name is Poland. I never met him, but I, I know his, uh, his uh, hangar mechanic for his Bombardier uh, Challenger 350, a mighty fine corporate jet it is. So I, st I stopped in the hangar because it's right by MSP Airport, which is also ironic because I was competing against this program called MSP, which is Maintenance Service um, Program or Maintenance Service Plan, which is an extremely overpriced maintenance service for a great engine that needs very little maintenance. But what the heck, it's like Toyota. I did that one time. I bought a Toyota maintenance service plan when I was buying a new car. The stupidest thing I did, but then they said, well, you can cancel it in uh, 30 days. So about a week later, I canceled it and got my money back. It's like 2,000 bucks, you know, 2,000 bucks for five years. The car is six years old and it never really had any major maintenance. So that was $2,000 I would have uh, expo disposed of for no reason. So anyways, that's MSP. And that's the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport too. Little, little tidbits of something only I would think about, right? And uh, so I stopped in the hangar this week and uh, after an airplane flies 2,000 hours roughly, this particular engine has to uh, have four start nozzles changed on each engine. And uh, so if, if you, someone a la carte asked for that, it might be $60,000 to do that. And yet um, this little upstart company, we were trying to cut costs for FlexJet. So we figured out how to do these maintenance events as, for as little as possible. So we, we could make money and charge someone like eighteen twenty thousand dollars uh per engine, and yet the going rate is like well, maybe it was only forty or fifty thousand per engine, so ha at least half right so I was trying to sign up these guys in Minneapolis, and the owner there's a famous guy he's a public figure his name's Ken Rickey. And he spells it interesting, K-E-N-N. -N. Oh, and he's a great philanthropist. He gave $100 million to Notre Dame, or so the headline is. But it's probably, it's really some kind of financial scam to, like, protect his estate from taxes, which is wonderful, right? So $100 million to Notre Dame, which they may or may not get it. But, well, they'll probably, they will get it somehow. I don't know what this thing is. But, um... He owns the company I worked at. So he's got the, FlexJet is like a several billion dollar company. And we were just a little dinky, $15 million company that didn't know what they were doing. But I was trying to help him along, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and uh, this airplane, the 350, was like the best money-saving opportunity. Um, it was perfect to sell this program. And uh, I made the charts and uh, what else? Uh, had it all set up and over the next 10 years, they probably would have saved three or $4 million with us. And uh, in five years, probably like a million and a half dollars. So usually you'd think an owner would be like, what, I can save a million and a half bucks? Sounds good, let's, <laughs> let's take a look at that. 
But within three minutes, I, you know, I don't get to talk to the, the guy with a net worth of a billion dollars. So, because he's never in the hangar anyways. So, but maybe I should have made an, you know, an appointment to his office. But anyway, didn't make the sale. You know, because does a, a billionaire want to save a million? Probably, but the, uh, the chart didn't sell it. And the uh, mechanics, he got it, he understood it. But basically, the question is, who are these guys? How can we do that? How can we do things for half the cost, right? There must be a catch there, right? But um, when he found out that, that our company was owned by Ken Rickey, that was like the end of conversation. He's like, nope, not going to do that. I hate that guy. <laughs> I love that story. So it's like, oh, I don't know much about this Ken Rickey. I don't know. He's like effectively my boss, or at least my boss's boss. And so I guess that guy's got a badass reputation. So I guess he's not going not gonna to be able to sell that uh, program, even though I could save him three million bucks. And uh, uh, so that's that's that. So I went there. This is the coincidence stuff. The, this is where I feel my life is quite often like Forrest Gump. Like, how did this shit happen? How did this happen? So I, I just thought, what the hell? I got to drop my rental car off. I'm not. I'm not working in this industry anymore. So, but I still love it. I love the corporate jets, man. So it has been most of my life has been corporate jet engine related so um i stopped in and, and sure enough they're doing the uh they're doing the engine they're uh doing the 2000 hour inspection which means changing the uh fuel nozzles well they they had signed up the year before with uh, the msp plan so they're paying a boatload of money they probably paid I really, I think they bought, they paid six, no, 300000 to buy into the program. So $300,000 bought them in, and then they're paying, like, the dude flies 500 hours a year, which is a lot for that corporate jet. So let's just say 500 times 230 times two engines, 1,000, so another 230000 So they spent $530,000 in the last year to do a maintenance event that would cost probably about 40 grand. So they, they, uh, they spent 530 grand, nice house actually, you can get a really nice house for that. Um, and they, all they had to do is spend about 30, something like that. And, uh, but that's how it goes. And they, and it's only a one day. I mean, what are the odds? This is kind of funny. It must be God at work. And I'm, I'm not there very often. I don't know the guy real well. I don't pay attention. I just thought, what the hell? I'm going to stop in. It's right by the airport. And then here's the, the competitor program, which basically they don't even, the guys collect 500000 This is This is the beauty of the thing, too. It's, like, it's a warranty program, right? So it's like Toyota or something. You pay Toyota two grand and then they agree to do everything but it's like an insurance thing and Toyota just collects a ton of money and they don't really do anything right because somebody else either a dealership or something and the dealerships are independent so this, this is basically what it is for aerospace engine maintenance this other company comes in and does the work and then they bill they bill the company that collects the 500,000 and then that company like argues over like, well, we're only going to pay you 20 grand an engine or something. Or they, the, they, they do some funny accounting things because um, the, fuel, the four fuel nozzles, if you buy them brand new, are like 14 grand a piece. So technically, um, just the fuel nozzles themselves, four of them should be about, I want to, is it almost 60 grand? But, but nobody, you really shouldn't buy new ones. You, you can get them retested and flown and cleaned up for like a thousand bucks each. So that's why our company was able to do things so cost effectively. And they really shouldn't cost $14,000 a piece. It's kind of ridiculous. 
maybe four grand a piece or something. But people mark things up, so it gets confusing. So I had a chat with the maintenance guy, and he's sitting in his office, and he's like, you know, I mean, I could. He, he's a mechanic. He's got the license, and he can do it. It's like, I could do this myself, but I figured I paid $500,000. I might as well have somebody else do it for me. <laughs> and so then, and then on top of it, he goes, Hey, the mechanic guy, he's from Arizona. He's from Phoenix. Go talk to him. You know? So I go out in the shop and I'm talking to this mechanic and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm from Phoenix. And he, and then the story goes, he was with the original, the original dudes and, uh, small you know people say like small world in business and stuff but it's really i i I, that's a kind of a trite expression to me because it's not really business business it's just a it's a weird world of high corporate (laughs) jets the jets cost about 22 million and the dude gets to fly around in it and uh, i love those people why not why not and uh so so the dude's um, getting his uh, fuel nozzles changed and he, he actually the, the guy that let me go I probably should just say fired but I, and I really not got a reason why I was let go because the, the, whoever replaced me the last year I don't think the guy's sold anything so it's one of those things where I, you, you know I, the guy didn't like me he still owes me six grand but um I don't know, maybe he's going to come around and go like, you know, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Um, Firing that guy, you know. So, you know. But he's, apparently he's trying to hire this guy that's doing the maintenance up in Minnesota to join his company, which I'm thinking like, well, dude, why would anyone join your company? I don't know. You guys got new business? I mean, I'm, I basically advised the guy, like, hey, you, you know this other mechanic that used to work for us that joined your company. So I said, talk to him. He knows the story, not me. I mean, I know some of it. And I said, the guy's, I said, I don't mind the, this guy, the guy that let me go. I told him, I thought, he's just not a straightforward communicator. He's not whatever. He's, I mean, I don't know. It was just interesting. So... That company is still struggling along, but the the thing was, I noticed they had like three people up there doing the job. So, like, if we we actually the, the company I was working at actually was a little more efficient because you only need two people. So why are they sending up three? But that's because they can bill the insurance company, and so it doesn't matter. They're going to bill them fifty, sixty grand, and so it's inefficient because it's uh, it's this big pot of money of five hundred and sixty grand paying for a maintenance event that really is you know okay send three people that's fine so they pay for three people to travel up there and do it and we would have done it for with two people but uh yeah it's it's a fun visit for me (laughs) anyway i I got off track that was bud did you mind me talking about Corporate jets, bud? What do you think? I don't know about the listeners. They probably do like it because it's, a, it's a, a world, a culture that fascinates me on how they, uh, you know, just d- manufacturing a $22 million jet, getting them sold, the people involved in that, buying and selling these jets. It's just hilarious. And uh, it's a very, very small market. Um, there's only about right now 700 of those planes most of them in the u.s 500 but there's there's some people out there that have some serious cash man (laughs) so i mean to buy to be able to buy i kind of i'm kind of trying to guesstimate how it works so like they call it a corporate jet but there's a lot of individuals that own the things you know so and for an individual to own one a 22 million dollar plane i figure they they must have a net worth of like 500 million dollars because you got to buy the plane that's 22 mil then you got to find a place to store it which probably costs you a million dollars a year you got to pay for pilots which are probably i think the the rate is like 150 grand a year for these pilots and um, 
and you may have three of them. So you probably got another half million tied up in that, and you got to pay a maintenance guy, or you got to pay a service to do some of this stuff. So, and then the fuel is expensive. So hourly rate is probably around, I think some guy told me like two grand an hour. So if you fly um, 500 hours a year, two grand, 500, uh, is that 10 million bucks? It's either a million or 10, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to 10. So, I mean, I, you know, so you're buying a $22 million plane. That's number one. But then you're going to be spending $10 million a year to fly around in, which it's an awesome tool. It's an awesome thing to have. And uh, especially these small ones, you can get into um, you know, small communities and it makes your life a lot better to uh, be able to fly to small cities and things. But it's just a fun thing for me. I don't know. Again, unplanned for the podcast. On the spiritual side, what am I? I got about five minutes before I get home or left maybe closer. Yeah, between five and ten. And uh, the gospel conversations, we just had one. You're listening to a gospel conversation right now. So um, maybe I should give myself credit and email the link to my pastor and say, look, man, this right here, this podcast is a gospel conversation. So please take the link and send it to a million people, a million. Okay. And then I can check the box and say, I had a million gospel conversations and I'm done. I guess I'm done. Right. I mean, what's the, what's the number, dude? What, what is the number of gospel conversations that we need to have? Is that, is that enough? <laughs> so this is my silly view. And I, and I guess a lot of people that, a lot of people aren't going to like my view, right? And that's okay. Because they're, they're going to be like, well, you know, you, you missed the intent. The intent of the whole thing, man. The intent is to be spreading the gospel because people are going to hell. <laughs> People are going to go to hell if you don't have a gospel conversation with them. And I'm like, really? Is that the God we believe in? I thought that God was like all powerful. I thought that God was loved everybody. I thought that God can make it happen. I think I thought that God is still alive. I think that God is not uh, just distant. He's not just sitting on the throne judging everything and not um, being involved. But the story I read is that he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to teach us, to be with us, to open our eyes to the truth. It's the Holy Spirit. So that's the other expression that these guys in the club, they go, let's make much of Jesus. Are you making much of Jesus? we got to make much of Jesus. And I'm like, uh, here, this is how much we're going to make of Jesus. Jesus is on the throne, laughing with the Father, listening to this podcast right now. And he's done his thing. He said it was finished. Jesus is done. It's finished. But you know what's not done? is The Holy Spirit is not done. That dude, for the last 2,000 years, has been one busy fellow. Right? Right? The, the Holy Spirit is the one that we need to make much of. But, you know, no, we're Baptists. And, you know, there's this, there's this organization called Charismatics. You know, you don't want to be a Pentecostal or Charismatic, dude. Those guys are wrong. They're just flat out wrong. So don't, you can't really, I mean, it's a dicey subject. Very dicey, man. And I don't want to be cheeky about it, which is not an American expression. But it's now moving over to the U.S. and people are being hip and using cheeky. Oh, that is so cheeky. Oh, people, that is a U.K. thing, okay? It's fine if you want to adopt it, but please recognize that it's not our thing. Give credit to the U.K. people for being cheeky. 
All right, so where was that? So, Holy Spirit, important thing. That's what we're to make much of. To walk in, walk in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, be in the flow. And as someone probably would observe, man, I had coffee. Well, I had coffee today, but I only had one cup. But something got into me and woke me up and I finished reading the book, so. I'm inspired by the words, positive words, affirmation. We all need affirmation. We're doing fine. There's no standard of behavior. You don't have to have five people to uh, on your list that are far from God. We're all far from God, dang it. Every one of us, I'm far from God. I, don't, I mean, I'm in and out. We have our moments, but that's the flow of the Holy Spirit. So, And we're not out to try to please anyone. We're supposed to, once my brain starts focusing on Hey, there's a God. He's a living God, and He's out there. He's listening. Who cares? Then I'll be in the flow more. Will my behavior change? Probably, hopefully. I just want to love people, but I have a hard time loving leaders of churches that espouse like behavior. And I guess it goes back to that cutting them some slack and things. So. Um, I'm not sure where I'm at in this timing, but we're home. So, bud, made it, and it's 51 minutes in, so good. I didn't drop any gems on you that were missed from the recording. So, January 12th, it's still winter for many of you, and, uh, the Bears, B-A-R-E-S, are done for the season. They're essentially back to where they are every year. No Super Bowl win for the Bears. So guess what? We get to look back in history and say, oh, that was a good season for the Bears. Yeah, that was good. But you know what? We didn't win the Super Bowl, did we? And does it matter if the Packers were 7-8-1? and one? No, it doesn't really matter. Because the Bears didn't win the Super Bowl. So let's look back. The Packers still have 13 championships and the Bears only have nine. So it's all good, people. We're back to starting over again. And next year, it'll be a new year. And we'll see if the Packers can sweep the Bears again. So the Bears split this year. So that's not the worst case, but it didn't advance anything. It did advance, so. All right, so we're back home. Time to cut it off. Love y'all, and uh, let's walk in the spirit, and let's have conversations. All conversations are gospel. Bye.